0: This is Abalone Mountain Press Podcast. I am Amber McCrary, host of Abalone Mountain Press Podcast. Our podcast focuses on Indigenous writers and their writing journeys. In this episode of Abalone Mountain Press Podcast, I will be interviewing Bodera Joe. Bodera Joe is a Diné poet, journalist, and photographer from Twin Lakes, New Mexico, on the Navajo Nation. She is Bitani, born for Tabaha. She holds an MFA and a BFA from Institute of American Indian Arts. She is the recipient of the Willapa Bay Air Fellowship, the Indigenous Nations Poets, also known as Poe, Fellowship, and the Bosque Redondo Memorial Artists in their Residence Fellowship. Landscape and Perspective flood Bodera Joe's newly released book titled Desert Teeth, a collection of poetry that unfolds the awakening shift of scarred violence affecting Native people and land for centuries. Where alcohol and uranium, two of many elements, continue to take the lives of our relatives. Each poem lingers and holds the face of the reader through deep explorations of grief, family, identity, and love. These poems walk out on their own with the memories and images that flicker by, like a thought too frightened to talk. The vulnerability and rawness in each poem expands the perspective, longing for closure, acceptance, and understanding. Each poem lives in language and landscape, all while the haunting violence interferes. Beauty has its way of revealing itself. And here is my interview with Bodera. Hey, Bodera. Hi. Hi.
1: (laughs) How are you doing today? I am doing fine um just a lot going on right now but um I'm excited for this uh podcast nice and where are you calling in from I'm calling in from Santa Fe New Mexico um but I'm really originally from Twin Lakes New Mexico
0: nice thanks for sharing that with us and I'm currently calling in from Akamal Autham lands, also known as Phoenix, Arizona. And yeah, let's get this interview started. I'm excited because you're um, Abalone Mountain Press's second full-length collection that's out this year uh, called Desert Teeth. And... Yeah. I can't wait to talk about it.
1: Yes, I'm excited. Um, it's actually, you know, this whole experience is new and it's almost like a fresh beginning of something, um, to take off for my career, you know, emerging into, you know, as I had previous, um, work published in different magazines or journals. So I'm excited that my full first length of, uh, collections of poetry are exist today so I'm really happy about that.
0: Yeah and it's a beautiful book and you're also a photographer so you also um, contributed one of your photos to the cover and it's yeah it's just so
1: beautiful. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Okay so we're going to start out This collection has a lot about healing, grief, and loss from your grandmother to your father. What does the process of healing from grief or loss
1: look like to you? So when I first started writing, it was mainly about um, storytelling, but also take it in a different way of writing um, more concrete imagery and sharing those um, by using the uh, English language and mixing words and combining words and weaving words together to create this sound that when I read something or hear something, I hear a word or two. It's um, it almost creates its own, um poetry, but also like um in this in these transitions from um you know growing up these storytellings from my grandmothers and then going into like my my own storytelling it's mainly observing and how I observe in like the information or the resources or the stories that are um trans transferring to me and like how I want to interpret that in my perspective and and also experiences so these poems um, regarding um, healing from grief or loss it's it was a tough journey um to be honest and the process of it all is writing it down but also not necessarily, writing like the broad like the like the overview of it all it's more of like zoning in into what it looks like and what it feels like and what um what I see the images i see the the words that i choose to more of like describe um what I'm going through or what the experience is and that because we all heal heal differently we all experience um, grief differently and losing loved ones differently. And so my way in doing that is to share a descriptive scenery, I would say, or descriptive image, um, or even like a conversation too. Like I take those storytellings of, you know, that's been passed down to me and like how, you know, I sit with those moments, you know, especially like dealing um, allowing myself to have that space in order to sit with what I'm feeling at that moment. Hmm. I like that. That's
0: really interesting. Um, One thing I noticed with a lot of writers is that a lot of writers are, I don't want to say necessarily active listeners, but they like tend to like, like, listen to things or maybe when they're younger, they remember things that they heard. Um, Would you say that you're, you were, you were a big listener when you were younger, or would you say that you're more of like, as the term they say, like for Navajos is like, you know, you never listen. (laughs) Um, Would you say you're more of someone that liked to listen or, or do you think that's something that you kind of learned
1: as you got older? It's always something that I carried with me. It's always something that I'm doing. It's not that I try. It's more of like it's just natural to me. Um since I'm the oldest out of 3 of my siblings, so I grew up faster than um all 3 of them and taking on that responsibility so of listening to what needs to be done when our mom was was away at work and also you know doing my part as the older sibling and to really engage into this role that I, you know, of course I didn't, um, choose. So it's, you know, being active and being an active listener. And, and in order to listen, I mean, you also have to observe. And, um, I believe Lucy Tapahanzo, who I remember, um, watching one of I think it was a discussion over zoom a while back and she made a statement about, I'm always observing. And, you know, just that, that sentence itself, it's like, we all have that ability. Um, It's just like the matter of like, well, do we really pay attention to what's being presented in front of us? And how do we receive information And you have those that are active listeners, or you have those that, you know, tend to let one thing go through one ear and out the other. And, but for me, that's different. And uh, I pay attention to mainly what I observe that way. I listen to conversations that are being talked about, whether it's, if it's for, you know, um, school or for you know work or you know you're like it amazes me like how much information we digest and how much you know as s- the capacity and the storage we have of like remembering things and also how some things can relay off the re- relay off um, each other so and then that's all part of like listening and so yes, I'm an active listener and that's, and I always been an active listener growing up and, you know, going through also going through, you know, ceremonies, um, all these types of experiences growing up from being young to, um, a teenager to an actual adult and like going through all these stages of life. And, um, also, you know, when, once I, entered womanhood, I did have a kinatha ceremony. And, you know, even that, like, that just shows that, you know, through that um, experience, it's, and through that journey, it's, you know, it's becoming, um, getting to know yourself more, and the ability of strengthening yourself, your, your mind, and also your body. And just like, where you see yourself, and mainly identity, and you know that part of that ceremony is part of that, and also like how do you help yourself? Because you know if you can't help yourself, then how you are, how are you to ex- expect to you know help others? So you know with that, like with writing, that's where I um, build my stories from, and also, um, as I mentioned, you know observing and digesting and you know allowing space for those stories like you know we have stories that you know are very hard to listen to but also um to share but like there's a way to um create those you know in your own words of creating these um certain moments with words and like you as a creator you're choosing these words you know it's just like um you know, you see these words that, you know, replay in your head and you pick those out. You throw it on the table or um you write it down. You know, you work with it and the sound and like the imagery, like what goes along with it, what, you know, clashes with it too. Like, I just find like the opposites um tend to, it's almost like a positive and a negative. So it's like a push and pull. So that's how I see um being lit an active listener because you're intaking information and then you're you're I guess pouring out what was said but also sharing what you interpreted
0: that's really interesting Um, you know everything that you had to say about listening and that it was something that kind of was with you your whole life and um, I do see that when you mentioned Lucy Tapahanzo and and um, how she listens and observes. I also noticed that was something that Laylee Long soldier actually both of them blurbed your book. <laughs> but Laylee Long Soldier also kind of mentioned the same when she was young. like she didn't really talk a lot, but she was a huge listener and she like observed a lot and she took in a lot of um, I guess everything that was going on around her and it's a very interesting thing to notice in like native writers how listening is such a huge aspect of like observing or just um the human experience um and I'm starting like when, the way you were talking about listening and how it has to do with like who you were and like um you know growing up and it started. I start thinking about my myself and like how I, I feel like I'm now a good listener, but like when I was younger, I was a really terrible listener and I was a bit of like a Jai and like, <laughs> and like my dad would always lecture me and I would like not, I didn't enjoy like his lectures or him, like giving me advice about life. Um. But now that I'm older, I still remember all the things that he said to me, or like, um, I still remember a lot of experiences. I guess that's still like the native part in me that observes and like remembers. But there was like a part in me that was still very stubborn. I think it just just comes with being like maybe immature and just like not wanting to listen because I had all the other these other plans that I wanted to do in life and um you know, just getting out of my small town and uh, but I, I just, I love that. Like, I love how native writers are very similar in so many ways, but then like experience wise, like we are also different. Um, yeah. So that, I just kind of wanted
1: to note that. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, well, I can say that, you know, even growing up, um, There were times where I obviously didn't listen and it was mainly, you know, I was going through my own journey as well. And even though there was just like the set plan of, you know, you got to do this, you got to be this, you got to, and then after you can plan whatever you want. So it's always like that stage of um, expectations from Mm -hmm. like our parents or like our families and especially like from our cultures too. Like, there's just that, you know, that, that role that we have to fill, but it's also to like, you know, growing up and then um, doing those things, but also as I got older and, you know, reflecting back on like what I learned growing up and the stories that were told. And um, like, I question those a lot, like, especially um, with just like the, the, um, the gender dynamics of like, Mm -hmm. you know, in Navajo culture, like women are the ones that need to be in the kitchen and doing this and that while the men are outside working. But to me, like, I'm all (laughs) like, I'd rather be in both, you know what I mean? And, you know, there's just a lot that, you know, us natives um, can do. Um, Mm -hmm. But even though like um, cultural wise, like, you know, there are still those, Um, boundaries that of gender roles play a huge part in in families and in certain tribes too Um, but you know I'm always like questioning too like well why 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 do we like why do women need to be inside cooking why can't they be out there you know and it's always too like coming down to thinking about like how women are treated and like how women didn't have rights and like how women, you know, have these, um, you know, we're, we're obviously paid less and then like, oh, women can't do that. You know, it's just that, you know, having that, um, that division between um, genders and, and it's always like, you know, there are times where, you know, we're going to question those and yeah. um that's us like trying to understand for ourselves why certain things are a certain way and you know with this book and with the stories that I share there it's mainly about like questioning those um because without questioning like there's just no sense of curiosity and for me like I'm always curious and I'm always wanting to learn how things used to be and how and also wondering like why like why do we do that or why what happens if we do this then what you know Mm -hmm. it's like I'm the type of person who wants to know now yeah (laughs) and have the answer right then and there but it's all also about learning about your your um thought process as well Mm -hmm. so Hmm.
0: yeah thanks for that that's really interesting You did mention roles and, like, uh, you do talk a lot about your grandma and grandmothers growing up. Uh, What inspired you to write about love in this collection for your grandmothers in the way that you did? Were you close to them? Did you live near them? Um, For me, my grandmother lived two and a half hours away, so I would see her. Like once a month when I was growing up. Do you think your relationship with your grandmother shaped how you write
1: poetry? So in this, uh, the beginning. So, you know, in the book it has like different um, sections, and um, they cover like a lot of. Um, so the beginning is more about, um, of course, where I like where I grew up, which is in Twin Lakes, and then going into. Um, also this other place that I grew up, which we call the ranch um, and that's where my grandma Julia John um she had a ranch, you know, she had a bunch of livestock so that's where we myself and um, others grew up and that's also like where we had like gatherings, like ceremonies, birthday mm-hmm. parties, you know holidays and everything is spent there. and you know that, that specific poem, um, is, it's just like embedded in me. And, you know, those are just memories I have at my grandma's ranch. And, um, you know, her first language, um, was, um, Navajo. Um, but, you know, still like, even though I grew up around my grandma, my grandmothers, um, and even though like they only spoke Navajo, they still had, um, they still had a way to try to help me understand, you know, growing mm. up at mm. a young age. Um and just like the way they try to um explain it in English. Um oh, okay. so that's just like that uh language. Um it's it's funny to hear them try to speak English. Yeah. Um, because um I mean it's not funny, but it's like their it's way cute. of
0: yeah, it's cute. Yeah. It's, of the it's way like they a cute try- it's like a cute funny.
1: Yeah. And sure. it's like, yeah. And, you know, uh, them trying to teach us Navajo and, you know, they, some, you know, there are some elders <laughs> who get mad, you get scolded yeah. for not knowing your language. And, um but it's also too, like, you know, even that like language itself, um you know, especially with Navajo language, mm-hmm. it's, it's a hard language to learn. And mm-hmm. there's just like so many things that branch off from one one word to another and um, there's no right or wrong way to put it. Um, it's just like all about understanding and trying to understand what the person is saying without being very specific. And I think that's yeah. where uh, writing comes into because, you know, we have different genres of writers we have poetry, we have poets, uh, screenwriters, a fiction, nonfiction, and et cetera, et cetera. So we all have our own language and how those need to be written. And with poetry, you know, it's I've always heard, um, mainly from fiction writers or so, and they're like, you know, poetry is hard for me, and but I'm trying to write poetry, and you know, it's it it is a hard uh, genre to write because you know, you're more engaged with how you choose your words. You know, Mm -hmm. some of them can be small, small sentences or like one liners. Um, You know, they're just like a different way of formatting those. And um, coming into with my grandmothers and how they spoke to me growing up and how I was around them during the times, you know, um, of them, like still aging as well, and mm-hmm. you know my grandmothers—they're all, um, they all passed, of course. But mm-hmm. it's like just those certain memories I have with them that you know are stuck with me. Um, when I when someone brings them up or when someone talks about them, you know, those are memories that I have with them because those are just times where I felt like they were just being themselves and. Mm-hmm you know, they lived a, a previous life before I even was born. And, you know, I wasn't able to hear those stories, but I heard stories from other relatives of how they used to be when they were younger and like what they did and to where they lived and how they lived. So it's just interesting to know that, you know, there's always that branch, um, what they call it, the family tree and like, just like how far our relatives yeah. go back and like, how are we, you know, it is a small world how we are connected because, you know, there's, um, of course we have clan relations and then we also have like um, from there, we have the, the in-laws and then in-laws, you know, it's just like a, a bunch of uh, like branches. Mm-hmm. And um, with my grandmothers, um, I did, Um some of them lived nearby. Well, they actually were all local. Um so it was like, yeah, so it was time spent with them too. yeah you know, I was always with my mom. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: My mom and I would be, you know, she would ask, um, you don't want to see, you know, grandma. Yeah. You want to see grandma Nelly, or do you want to see um Grandma Grandma Rose? Grandma Rose or Grandma Julia, like, you know, wait, it was her name Nelly? Yeah, it's Nelly um, Nelly Rose Daniel. Oh, okay. (laughs) Because
0: we used to yeah. call, when me and my brother were younger, we used to call our Nolly, Nellie. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, for a long time, we did. I guess we were saying it wrong, but no mm-hmm. one ever corrected us. <laughs> um, so, that's why I was like, what's her name actually, Nellie? Yeah, you it's like, actually
1: no. <laughs> Okay,
0: yeah. And that was the same way, too. I was always with my mom, and she was the one that always used to take me out to, like, Shanto, where she's from, mm-hmm. and, like... That's why I'm closer with my grandma on my mom's side, because like she would always take me with her. And like I would just be like the one that's just like next to her all the time, like while we're visiting all these relatives that I didn't know. And um, it wasn't like really like that with my dad's side. We would only visit my Nolly, who I used to call Nellie. <laughs> I used to only visit her like maybe once or twice a year. And that one, it was really tough because she also only spoke Navajo. And the only time I would talk with her is between like my dad interpreting. And I didn't know if my dad was like even really interpreting accurately between us. So, like, I still want to have like an authentic conversation with her with like someone that can like interpret like direct translation. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah it's it's just very interesting how um you mentioned that both your grandmothers only spoke navajo
1: and yeah they yeah, yeah navajo um especially with grandmothers um they could be funny too, and they mm-hmm. just like you know when all the 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 elders are together, like you know even in that poem that I wrote about um growing up on the ranch you know like all the elders are together and just the way they laugh and like how they joke around Mm -hmm. I mean you obviously um as a bystander like you know what they're laughing about and you know they're making jokes and they're still having a good time and um so those are memories that um I have and that I am grateful that I had with my grandmother's and yeah. um and also i still you know i write um too about my nali from so that's my dad's mom um mm. you know just about her too because um my nali man so her husband you know he passed from um lung cancer from working in the mines and um you know even that was the whole of getting to know the story and like you know how uranium is still exist today and like how some of the elders um you know some of their their parents um worked in the mines and then Mm -hmm. like how they carried you know the particles with them to their homes and like how our parents um grew up around that too Mm -hmm. and especially like around like uh the uh the opened um I guess the exposures of, certain, yeah, um, like during mining. the cleanups. Yeah, the cleanups. Yeah. And, and do you mind uh, me asking which mine he worked at? I can't remember. I believe it was some, because my, my Nolly Man is originally from Red Valley. And okay. um, I believe it's somewhere north. Is that New of, Mexico? Yes. Okay. And, um, so see around that time, um, so it's it's still also like when stories are shared, there's always that, okay, I just want to make sure like these information, not information, but like these, like the story makes sense of like how mm-hmm. certain things, like, you know, how certain things happened or um, you know, just the process of um okay, so we have these, you know, these open <clears throat> these open, you know, tunnels of you know exposure and yeah. then, you know they're bringing those back to their homes yeah. and then from there it's just like a triggering um cycle yeah. of cancer and um and then some of it's getting in the water yeah or, exactly yeah. and um so just you know those are just my uh, trying to understand of like you know we still even though that um some of our relatives works in the mind and, um, you know, the families were effect- affected and, but it's also too like, um, well, who's at fault for that? And mm-hmm. um, like taking ownership or accountability for that. And I think that's the reason why, you know, these families are being paid off because yeah. of the tragedy that, you know, they lost a loved one from cancer from working in the mines from years ago and that is just like another way of like all right we'll just give them money just to have them be quiet you know yeah and that's just like the way like the government, like the not the government but like just like you know why you know questioning why certain things are a certain way and how they became that um you know it, it could come down to like questioning the law and like questioning like The government also and just like also questioning ourselves of like well how do i feel about that and why do i feel you know this this um this edginess of you know why does it bother me Mm -hmm. you know we have even though that most of us um and that can come into like alcoholism or like substance abuse you know all of these you know natives do you it's the higher (laughs) the higher you know, the higher rate we face also along with suicide rates. And, but it's also like we all, each family has their own experience with those um, tragedies. And mm. so it's also taking what we know, taking what we experience um, and how do we deal with that? So it's mm-hmm. always that, you know, daily of trying to heal and trying to, um, grieve in a way that best fits ourselves and best fits, you know, in order to move forward. And so if one thing, you know, that's what my grandmothers taught me, like, even though they went through so much and like, even with our, with our elders previously and our, you know, past relatives, just like how far we've gone and also, just like where we're at today, and like what where we are located, and um, how we make a living. And you know, we're always like trying to compare ourselves um to certain things, but it's also like, well, we were given this because they took this, and you know, you can't make <laughs> um yeah. It's just like almost making up for things that um, happened years ago, you know, you know, even those years are still happening today. Like those, Mm -hmm. you know, incidents are those tragedies and those experiences and those and that's what, you know, experiences and it's almost like reliving the same moment, but in a different time, in a different century, I should say. And, you know, we're always triggered by certain things is because um you know previously in the past they made it okay but it's also like it wasn't okay and we had to sit with that as you know indigenous people or people of color like we had to sit with things of being okay especially like ripping you know our first language you know trying to have us uh, speak English and and there's that term of speaking poor English like well english isn't our first language you know navajo for navajos mm-hmm. it's navajo and so it's really like taking the experience from our grandparents and yeah. how they lived their lives how what stories they shared how they grew up and you know some of them still grow some of them still um experience with living with without water or electricity and you know there's just that again that gap um yeah like those blind spots that still to this day like you know these elders are experiencing that and you know even though that um my grand one of my grandmothers um you know she didn't have electricity or water for a while and then eventually she got electricity um but, you know, after that time, you know, she passed and, but it's just like how they were living, you know, they lived off what they had, they lived off like their livestock and, you know, my, my mom and my grandmothers, you know, they were all, they all did their um, sheep herder duties. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, just hearing from my mom's stories to like how she grew up and like, um you know back then like in the 80s of how like the styles of clothing and everything and you know what what existed during those times and like how they adapted and then also like coming into the 90s where most of us myself um grew up like you know there was no there was no um how would I put it like social media then For, like, at least for me when I grew up, like, I was mainly outside. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I played outside with my cousins and my siblings, and we were always outside, like, day and night. And even though, like, you know, growing up, you're, you're, we always get in trouble. Like, you're not supposed to be running outside at night because of this and that. So it's like, but also, how would I put it? Like, living in the moment and like experiencing the full, like, um, of being outside and just being out in an open space where, you know, you have the dirt, you have mountains, you have, you know, animals like, like dogs and cats and like sheep and all this and that, like um, those are your surroundings. And, you know, that's just how I grew up and I grew up outside. And um, for that, like my grandmother's plate, that in in that role too because you know like i said most of them were like um had livestock and they attended to them um whether um you know they take them out to graze they take them out to um do what do what they needed to do and Mm -hmm. from that you know like i think that's what kept them going and what kept them young at um, yeah in the heart too like you know being active That's Um, true. So, yeah. So, grand, yeah, my grandmothers did um, play a huge part in my life. And, you know, I'm just thankful that I had those special memories with them um, growing up and just like having those fresh memories that I can pick from.
0: Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah. When you were talking about your grandmothers and like the livestock, it's kind of similar to my grandma. She has, her livestock that she's still like all about (laughs) and like, uh, she's, she's kind of a funny sheep herder though. Like, so she has like her sheep camp outside of Mm -hmm. where she lives, but she has like, she, but she lives in like NHA housing. So she'll travel like, uh, probably like two miles every day to, to the sheep camp, like in a dirt Mm rip off a dirt road. Um, and then she'll go and feed her animals but like she's kind of a funny sheep herder where she like isn't nice to her animals or her sheep (laughs) and she's always like yelling at them and like calling them mean names or she'll say something mean to them in Navajo and then she'll feed them and she'll be like they're just stupid. And I'm just like <laughs> if you're talking like this to your animals like why do you have you been taking care of them for like the past like 50 years? Like I don't understand. Well, I I'm think like, too.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, some like, you know, you have those elders who are like very like mean and stern in their voice and like how they talk to their animals or like to even other people too like Yeah, and I guess and it's was, like
0: that. To my to my um to my mom and like her kids, I guess, I guess because they said she was mean growing up, but now she's like yeah. nice, except <laughs> her animals. So I don't understand it at all.
1: Yeah, and it's also too like you know you have dogs like the, those res dogs. Oh, yeah, like <laughs> like some of them like when you're leaving and trying to get somewhere and they're just laying there like under your vehicle trying to yeah. tell them to move or like get out of the way.
0: And yeah. They just stand
1: there and look at you like yeah. if you're in headlights. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, like with um with elders, like they <laughs> I think they just get impatient and they just start yelling names at their animals and
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know what that's it funny. Is. And
1: I think that's just like you know, how some of like our parents grew up because and I think that's how they eventually became tough is because of, like, what was taught to them during those times of, um, you know, you know, if, for example, like, if my mom were to fall asleep while she was out in the field, you know, like, watching the sheep from, like, you know, coyotes or other, um, and other um, predators, yeah, um, she got in trouble for that because... <laughs> and she got yelled Did. at. But yeah. So it's just yeah. like, you know, growing up tough and like learning from your mistakes or learning from those experience. And that's another thing too, um, especially storytelling is, you know, it's always funny when, you know, those stories are shared, some of those stories that are shared and um, yeah, yeah I think that's, <laughs> it's really nice to hear those stories.
0: Yeah. It, it, it's, I don't know. I just, like, it's, it's, I guess I could like write, if I ever wrote about it, like, I guess I could write in the way, like, if it was a white gaze way, like, and my, my grandma, she had sheep and it was like utopia. And it was, you know, but if I wrote <laughs> yeah. it in my like actual experience, it'd be like, no, like, she was mean to these sheep. Like, she, like, they would always get lost in the canyon and she'd get mad because she'd have to go find them or like, <laughs> or like you know she'd come visit me in phoenix and the entire time she would just be talking about how she misses her sheep and like she needs to get home to her sheep and then like and then when she sees them she's like super mean to them so i, I just get like i don't know she's funny to me but i think she's just kind of goofy um i don't know if it just became like that with age because mm-hmm. i just hear so many different stories from like my aunt and uncles about how mean my grandma was, but like growing up with my grandma, she was always very nice. And she like, she came to all of my like, um, like, like school events and stuff that I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And she like really, she kind of spoiled me. Like she'd get me whatever I wanted for like clothes or something. And I guess because I was like, one of the like few grandkids at that time i think she was like that but i don't know i always had really good memories of my grandma and then the only times i hear about stuff is from my like mom and my aunts and uncles and i don't know i think it's still hard for me to shake that like
1: mm-hmm.
0: that weird strong bond i have with my grandma that is not the same with like maybe her kids or people around her yeah um but I feel like that's very like grandma like Navajo grandma I
1: <laughs> love I don't know what it is it's a but, tough love yeah <laughs> what they what they say yeah definitely
0: and then just like I think that's where also I get a lot of my like humor and like um I know I definitely get my humor from like kind of her and, like, my mom. But I know a lot of my identity comes from, like, all the Native women in my life and, like, um, like strong relationships. Mm-hmm. I feel like it stemmed from them. It, it kind of sounds it's like it's similar to you. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's a question, but... <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a I meant, you know, when we think back on like how we grew up, the type of teachings we had, the teachings we wish we had more of. Um I think for me, I would want to learn more um how to speak Navajo and, and Oh yeah. You know, I always sit with those two like with my with my grandparents. Um because, you know, you have some grandparents who don't have the patience to teach you. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and it's also too, like, you come around elders who scold you for not knowing your language. But it's like, mm. well, you know, you're supposed to be teaching me, you know. And it's just like expectation. But it's also like. um. Like, there's just, just so many expectations as a Native person in general. Like, we have to have these certain things to be recognized. You know what I mean? But it's also, like, it really comes down to, like, what we're trying to figure out our own selves mm-hmm. still because of the the erasure of how, you know, most of our relatives grew up and you know especially in boarding schools and Mm -hmm. you know all these type of um events that took place and it's almost like we're we're doing the best we can but it's always it seems like it's always not enough Mm -hmm. and I feel like you know personally like that's how I feel with my writing and that's how I feel in general like um you know, even though that I do have these stories to share and um, but I, you know, still feel like writing itself um is not enough. And mm-hmm. I'm just trying to create a, a whole different body of work. Yeah. And I think this will jump into our next question of like the style of mm-hmm. writing and also the voice and language. And when I, when I first started writing, um, was in high school, but in middle school, I knew I wanted to, like, I had a goal of being like a photojournalist was my ultimate goal. And from that on, that point on, um, you know, coming into high school and then, you know, figuring out a plan after high school, like my ultimate plan to be honest was after high school, I was, you know, interested in the Marines. Um, okay. Yeah. So my dad was a Marine. Um, yeah. so I, I wanted to, you know, have that experience of like how far I could push myself, you know, mentally and physically uh-huh. and because I had the ability, you know, I had the, the strength to do that. And okay. but it's also, yeah, but it's also too, like, I, struggled so much you know even in grade school with with reading and writing because mm. you know at a certain age you're supposed to, at a certain age in a certain grade level I feel level,
0: like, I feel yeah,
1: like all Navajos are
0: like that like yeah I was and, the same way like I struggled so much with it um I, I was like in AP English in high school, but then like when I tested into the university level, I had to take like remedial English for like <laughs> a year. And I, I mean, I still did it. I was just like, whatever. Like, I don't know. And then like, I don't know. I felt like all of undergrad, I was kind of a terrible writer and I would just like kind of get by. So like, I never, I don't know. i but I don't know if, like, it's all Navajos. I'm sure there's plenty of, like, really good, naturally great writers when they're, like, in, <laughs> yeah. like, ninth grade or something. <laughs> but I wasn't one of those. And I feel like a lot of natives have that similar experience with, like, not having that, like, uh what is it? Like, strength in writing or strength mm-hmm. in, like um grammar um the way that you know like the white um mainstream like like school
1: wants to write you know exactly yeah so that's it's it's interesting of like how how far back you know english you know especially with um like literature Mm -hmm. i mean you have the renaissance years and you have the the um but it's the black mountain. And then you have all these other writers yeah. and uh, it's just like the error and time, like the, um, then you have like the contemporary writers and which is mm-hmm. where I believe I fit. And because of the, the style of writing that I do. And it's not generally like when I, you know, go back into what I've learned in undergrad Um, Mm -hmm. and then going into the, to the grad level and to really, you know, look at my writing and trying to figure out, like, I had a lot of, um, doubts of like, well, maybe I'm not a poet. Maybe I'm just telling myself I am, but I'm not. And so it took me a while to produce work that I believed, um, Mm strong that that I believed was strong for me but Mm -hmm. the outside world it wouldn't have made it and but it's you know too like you're learning from that experience um you know learning how to be um harsh with your writing and like feedback um Mm -hmm. you know these are you know these programs these writing programs you know they are genuinely to help you to receive feedback and how you, and how well, it, you know, it comes down to listening to like, what you know, if someone, yeah if you were, if someone was uh, workshopping your poem, it's also, it's not them being like, well, I don't like this. It's more of like, you know, you have to understand that in order to be a better writer, or at least to be a, a writer at where you want to be, you have to listen to feedback. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I came into undergrad, Um, I just remember like, oh, like I'm a poet and I'm gonna just send this poem, share this poem with my peers. Um, And it's a poem, but it's also like, you know, there was so much edits when I received my feedback. And, um, you know, that was an experience itself.
0: And -hmm. then
1: also going into you know, looking into magazines or like these submissions, open calls of these journals or magazines and, you know, believing in yourself and also believing in your work that, Mm -hmm. you know, well, maybe, you know, this will, this will, um, you know, teach me something and also inspire me. But it's always that um, unsure of like, well, I don't know if they're going to pick it up or I don't know if they'll like it. So, yeah. and there are journals and magazines or so, like um, presses that don't want to publish that type of work because they already have a set um, category or category, yeah. like how a poem or, should be, how a poem yeah. should be read. And I think those, you know, they miss out on a lot of um, great writers. Yeah, in my in my true. opinion and um, so you know the journey of creating this manuscript and it went through so much um i took a lot of poems out i you know kept some in i just changed like the whole poem itself but kept a, like probably uh two lines or like a stanza mm-hmm. and um you know, the main mentor that really helped me into really looking at my word choices and to really looking at how it's read, like the language itself and like how it sounds is Sherwin, um, who, you know, he is a great writer when it comes to imagery and Mm -hmm. also sound. So without, you know, his guidance, like I wouldn't, um, like, my poems wouldn't exist the way they do now because not only that, like, he also taught me how to, you know, edit, do line edits. Yeah. In a way where I feel like when I read it out loud, I can hear the rhythm, but also mm-hmm. I can see the image or I can feel some sense of imagery happening. And and not only that, like, um, you know, he did help me with that, but also like years down the road after I graduated from um, the MFA program. Um, you know, I just needed someone that's not familiar with my work, that's never read my work before. And I was always a big fan of Lely Long Soldier. So when her book came out, whereas um, you know, even her previous books um, are just like her small collections and just like reading um her poems here and there. And, you know, I really wanted to engage and have that connection with her because I believe that the style, well, not the style, but just like the, the poems that she writes, the poems that she shares and her stories, she, she shares behind those poems or at Mm -hmm. least the collection of whereas. And, um, I believe it, it fitted, um, or I suited where I was going with my writing, you know, after I graduated and after, you know, my manuscripts, you know, sat and you know, collected dust for a while, but it was also too like I was just I just wanted to make sure that, you know, the the style and the language that I was going for um was not necessarily about being um different, but more of like well, what is me like Mm. being authentic and being honest with myself? Because, you know, if I try to compare my, my writing to a different, different writer, then it's almost like, well, it's like borrowing from that person. And, you know, it took me a while to believe in my work and to believe that, um, you know i am a poet and i am and i do believe in my poems and you know some of these poems are very hard for me to write um just because of the vulnerability that i was coming from and you know sharing that with whoever you know reads my book and you know just knowing that is a bit scary but also like well that's me being me and that's me being okay with sharing these experiences because, you know, there are so many. Um, it's almost like a full circle to me. And in order for me to understand certain things, I have to write about it, and I have to sit with those, with those moments. And to really figure out, well, is this worth sharing or is this worth, um, is this poem gonna go somewhere, basically? So the style and the language and, that I go with is mainly imagery, but a different type of imagery. I write from a viewpoint that um, I'm just trying to understand and to also move on with that Mm -hmm. thought and you know which is why like some of these poems that have been you know shared is that there were times where I felt like you know maybe I should just take this out because it's very personal and it's very
0: Mm, triggering
1: in some way not only for myself but for other people yeah in my family and the one poem for that is The one that I wrote about my dad because, yeah, even though that um, he passed in '93, like that's still to this Mm -hmm. day. You know, I never had that experience of growing up with with a father, and Mm -hmm. um, because of what happened, and it's almost like stealing a many like many things from me of what happened because you know missing out on certain things of like how i see other like my friends or like other relatives grew with grew up with both their parents Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: it's almost like well i don't know how that feels and it's almost Mm -hmm. like why i became more independent and um and also like how my mom became um well she was always independent but it's also like um Not to depend on anyone and Um, to always, you know, believe in yourself, believe in what you're doing and to trust yourself and to also, you know, things aren't going to, if you want things to go your way, you're going to have to do it yourself. Or if you want things done, you have to do it yourself. So Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to my writing, um, you know, I was inspired by so many writers, not only native writers, but also like, you know, you have Asian writers, you have um you know all types of writers that I've been inspired by and just Mm -hmm. the style of writing like I don't have to be in that space to understand it like just the language that they use in their writing is that is enough for me because to me I learned from you know how they do transition from one line to the next and like how they format their poems um, this the style they go with um, and how they talk about their work. So it's, you know, I try to listen to um, different writers or different poets and how they produce a work that I'm so invested in. Um, for example, like uh, Benjamin Garcia, you know, he's the author of... Uh, Shoot, I, I might butcher I Oh, might butcher that. I know I might who you're butcher. talking about Yeah, so like, you know yeah, You know, and there's also the poet uh, Ocean Vuong mm-hmm. And, you know, comparing Not comparing, but like reading Both those poets' work mm-hmm. um, There's obviously a difference um, Yeah Of how, you know, they grew up And also how they write And also how um, What they write about and you know even though like you have multiple you know multiple um writers from the same community but it's also like different works Mm -hmm. and and i like that you know even though kinsale and i are dené, um but it's also like our works are completely different like even um for example like what um like reading with a bunch of um like say if, if it's like a Dine um mm-hmm. Diné reading series. Mm-hmm. And and also like having like thinking about that book, the, the Dine reader, like there's yeah so many yeah, so so many voices with some um common experiences, but also different.
0: Yeah, even it's like different. yeah, even like Laura Tohi and Lucy Tapahonzo. You'd exactly. think that their voices would sound the same because, you know, they're they're the same age. I think they both went to UNM together when they were undergrads. But their writing styles are very different. And even the way they read is very different.
1: hmm Yeah. So I wouldn't... You know, when people always ask me, like, well, what kind of poetry do you write? And I'm like, I'm always caught between... Either saying while I write about experiences, but also like um not necessarily about how I grew up, but it's just mainly about the experiences because you know you read it you reach an age of where you do a lot of self-reflecting and like you really go back into time of like how things have changed, and then like how have you changed and like how you think and what you say and like, what you used, like how you used to be, like there's obviously a transition and transforming as the day goes by, and like as the months and the years go by. So those are different stages in our lives where, even though that, um, we're obviously changing, but it's also like even our writing's changing. Yeah, and um, I believe a lot of past mentors, um, would share this is that, you know, when they think back on their first book, um, and then comparing to their recent book, I mean, there's obviously that change of language and change of style. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's what I'm, that's what I really enjoy too, is that watching these, you know, these writers that inspired me and like, almost waiting for what they're gonna write next yeah and also like even though that i had this manuscript my manuscript you know um printed and now it's out it's published it's almost like okay well i'm ready to move on and to create a new body of work Mm -hmm. so it's always like willing to learn um and also trying to figure out like well what do you you know as a writer want to see different well not different but but something that's obviously different to you but um but real and honest yeah
0: I guess that kind of leads to my last question um it's not in our our question question thing <laughs> but <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> I, I I kind of want now I'm wondering like what you off of what you were saying is for your next project um is there anything in particular that you want to write about that might have that you haven't written in this first book Ooh, that's a good
1: question um I've been thinking about you know now that I've laid most of like my past and also, like, current thoughts into this book. Um, Like, I'm trying to go, my next project, like, I'm thinking of doing almost, like, a, um, like, more of a concrete imagery where using, like, either the Navajo language or the English language and trying to create this imagery of, um like playing with the words more Mm -hmm. and um it's almost similar to what already Orlando White's doing and but it's something you know those those are just like inspirations to me but also like going about it in a different way where I would want to use more of my photography and like how yeah how I want to create almost like a a map of yeah. almost like drawing my map drawing a map of like <clears throat> of where you know these moments that are these thoughts that I yeah um sat with and just to creating this um this over or just like over yeah this overview um you know visually having um like say like you're looking at a map and then, mm-hmm. like, having those pinpoints of what's what. So that's what I envision. Mm. Um, but it's still in the works, too. And um, with my photography, I'm my next project for that is to do more of like a black and white um, color scheme. Okay. And how can I work with more of like the objects that I see and like how can I create? a poem out of that or how can the poem be created from that oh and that sounds amazing yeah so (laughs) it's it's a lot to um think about uh, but you know with this residency that i'm going to be attending um in october Mm -hmm. it should allow me space and you know a different scenery is always good when it comes to writing new work yeah um because you know of course like the experience you're you're experiencing in that that space, and also the the environment you're mm-hmm. in. Different environment you're in compared to being on the res, or so.
0: Yeah, yeah, and like so. Would you say that for this next project, you want to do a s- more um, kind of experimental work between words and uh, yes imagery which is your photography
1: Yeah so it's almost like that. a Yeah so it's almost, almost like the uh, Like a stitch of using One liners um, You know using One line of a poem Yeah and You know trying to Create yeah. um, It's almost like Being like a multimedia poet <laughs> if that
0: yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I always get the term um, into inter- di- interdisciplinary artist. Mm-hmm. People are like, you're not a poet, you're not a collage artist, you're not this. They're like, you're an interdisciplinary interdip- artist, because you do <laughs> like all these other things. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. Because <laughs> like, I ba- I barely got used to using the term artist or poet within the past like five years mm-hmm. maybe, oh, like maybe six years I just knew at the beginning I was like no I don't consider myself an artist or a poet or any of that
1: mm-hmm.
0: but now I'm, I'm okay with it and now like since I'm okay with it more people are like well actually you're you don't just do one uh discipline like you do all these other things and I'm just like okay like sure like and I mean I still don't know how to like introduce it that into my like bios maybe Mm -hmm. I will be more comfortable with it in the future um I don't know if it'll be the same with you too but like I yeah Yeah, it's it's right now yeah. yeah
1: it's a lot it's a lot to think about like you know especially like with um for like artists who or like for certain individuals that do more than one art so you know they tend to use the term multimedia artist, but it's also like, well, you know I do do more of one thing than the other. you know what I mean? Yeah. like you know for poetry, you know I'm a poet, but I also do photography. Mm-hmm. so it and also like being just a writer too like a, a journalist um, so it's it's a lot of um, titles, I guess, Um, our positions and roles that you have to play Mm to, um, because they're all, you know, they're all different languages too. Like with journalists, like there's different, there's the, uh, what is the Chicago style language or the, um, in-house language, depending what, you know, newspaper you're working for. Mm. Um, you know, these are the type, different Mm. type of languages, Um, that you have to learn and you know styles that you have to pick up in order to be in order to write those and produce work from those um, certain genres and then with photography you know you're learning a bunch of terms um, and um, word choices with how you talk about your work like with photography like the the um aperture exposure and you have all these words that yeah you know they all have certain roles that they play in order to produce this work and um especially with the camera like so you know being what like getting to know your camera and Mm -hmm. using all the the settings so in a way I look at poetry in that term and you know I like you know this I always you know When I'm writing something new, I always come at it with, okay, like feeling like I'm so new at it. Like I just like feeling fresh and like, okay, this is, I'm going to write about this. But it's also like, okay, well, what do I need to remind myself of how to do certain things? Of like how to um, put words together together? In order to create this either imagery or create the sound or to create this um, poem that means something to me and I'm sure like um, you know we all have our favorite writers we all have our favorite um, lines from certain poems and because they stick with us and because we can relate to them And even though that, you know, the whole body of work isn't a interest, you know, in that certain individual's, you know, style of writing or like the, the authors and like their style of like what they're trying to work on, but it's always, you know, something resonates with them. And, you know, for me, like I've Broaden, so it's like broad, um, widening your 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 perspective too on getting to know up and coming emerging writers that are just now producing new work and just now publishing new work, and you know those contemporary writers and getting to know them and also getting to know their work because you know, they are coming, you know, with all these past writers and to recent writers and to like current writers, like they're all, all their work is different. And we all learn from each other. And that's like the beauty of being part of a writing community, because um, also talking about your work, how you talk about your work, um, what you want to work on more and how just talking about it and having a conversation about writing, you know, it uplifts you and it inspires you. And, you know, I believe that you should surround yourself with those type of writers who want to create new work, or at least try to figure out where they want to go with their, their own writing. And also to have that, um, that sense of trust. And I believe um, Lely is the one that really helped me um, mentally into like be- actually believing in my work and that, you know it is something that will definitely um, not change, but at least like open the doors into certain worlds or different perspectives. And, um, you know, through that that friendship and through that trust that I had when she first read my manuscript and just like her getting a taste of like the type of writing that I write and like listening to the feedback. And also um, just because I remember like this meeting we had, we're talking about a certain poem. And then she said, um, you know, these are just suggestions. These are my feedback, but it's really up to you of how you want to um, keep the poem if you want to change it, that's really up to you. But, she, you know, she just said, you know, you just have to believe in your own work and to believe in your words and that, you know, no one can take that away from you is like how you write, how you read work and how you, how you, um, produce write it. it. Yeah. yeah. How you, um, share it you know that's really up to you yeah. and it's easy said than done because you know i could say you know i'm not the type of writer who writes every day it's mm-hmm. only when i actually feel like writing yeah and that's where the the true work comes out because the poem is writing itself rather than you forcing it yeah that's true <laughs> But, of course, all of this is a learning experience. And, you know, even though it's in my first book, it's like I've learned so much, you know, from comparing my writing from then to now. Like, there's a big transformation. And I'm just happy of, like, how I'm able to, you know, finally, you know, being able to look at the work that I produce mm-hmm. and the work that I've um The words, the word choices, the language, like I'm happy the way that it came out. And the also just the poems that I shared and the poems Mm -hmm. that I've kept in, even though I wanted to take out.
0: Yeah. Okay. So then this leads me to my last, last, (laughs) very last question. (laughs) Um, What do you want your, I mean, do you have. like a, I don't know what you want your writer or not writers, your readers to. Is there anything specific you want them to come away with, or do you have an audience that you hope will see this? Or, I mean, is there like an overall feeling, emotion, um, takeaway um, that you hope with the the book?
1: I believe that you know the there's always a meaning of when you're coming back to your work of why you're always pulled by back to like a either a certain memory a certain um image or you know whether you're a writer or photographer or like any other artist um You know, there's always, like, listen to me, like, listening more to yourself, um, listening to your work, where you feel like your heart's going with it. Because it ultimately comes down to what feels right inside of you and Mm -hmm. what sits right with you. And, And even though that, you know, we have certain things that we're not supposed to talk about. Um, or we shouldn't talk about, but it's also like questioning, well, why, like, so to really believe in your intention of where Mm -hmm. you're going with your work. And um, me saying that is, you know, I was once the, the writer who, who didn't really believe that, um, or who didn't really like believe in my work. Like I did, but mm-hmm. only to a certain point where I didn't want to share. Yeah, and um, now that this work is published, it's more of like a relief, but also um, let's say relief. and it's almost like I'm able to breathe now. Because it almost felt like these poems, you know, I've been working constantly on and reading them, um, editing them and revising them and just sitting with them for so long. Like, it's almost like feeling, okay, I can let these go now. They can be what people perceive them to be. Mm -hmm. um because we all have different interpretations of when we pick up someone's work and read it you know whether it be an image or a line or two of like what certain oh like saying that oh this is what this this author means by writing this or this is what the the reader or the speaker is saying but it's you know that's where it comes into interpreting not interpreting but like um what you're feeling personally and why you like that line or what is different about this. Or, you know, there's just like so many things of not critiquing, but like when we say like when workshop, it's not necessarily what can be better, but it's just talking about the work in general. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, uh, for the readers and those that help support this book and also the poems inside, it's just mainly about like listening, observing, and um, being present in moments where you think that it doesn't mean anything, but in reality, it does um i guess to spending time spending more time with your loved ones um Mm -hmm. because most of these in the beginning or at least the um close to the beginning is you know some of these um are almost like i didn't have a chance to spend more time with those that pass Mm. and um yeah also, yeah so it's just like being very intentional um mm-hmm. surrounding yourself with those that um who support you who uplift you who inspire you and um because you know we're always dealing with things that bring us down mm-hmm. and um you know reading other people's work to in mm-hmm. engaging more of like your own voice and your own um, yeah. ability as being a being a writer and also a reader. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's beautiful.
0: <laughs> like it, it just makes me like want to slow things down a lot more with like, and I feel like that's how. Um, like you and like Laylee's work is where it's mm-hmm. like, you can't read it. Like you can't, you you basically can't read the book if you're in a hurry or if you're just trying to like read something really quickly. And it's like, mm-hmm. and that's what I love about like you Laylee and like Sherwin's work is that you have to be, you kind of have to be with the page for a while and you have to really appreciate the work that was put in into each line and yeah you just have to be very appreciate appreciative of like the language and the effort that goes into it um, so like if you're kind of just a fast reader it might be a little bit more difficult but i think if you're in a space where even if you're just reading this with like a group of people, I think Mm -hmm. that also helps with just learning to read poetry in a more mindful way and in a Mm -hmm. way that, you know, you appreciate what is in front of you.
1: Yes. And even though if you don't understand certain poems and not just with my work, but also like Mm -hmm. with other people's work, like, you don't necessarily have to hear or learn about like the whole background of what the poem is about. Like, that's just, um, yeah,
0: no, I was the same way with Laylee's yeah. book. Like <laughs> I read Laylee's book kind of fast and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah. And then like, I had to read it three more times in my, in grad school and like every new time that I read it, like I learned something new. And then each time that I read it over again, I appreciated it more and more. And I was just like, by the time I was done with whereas at the end of grad school, I was just like so in love with that book. And I just like wanted to keep like writing like like presentations and like mm-hmm. researching more on it. And like, um, and also, like, I wish I could write like lately, but I don't think I could. But it, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like this, it gave me this whole other level of appreciation in reading poetry that
1: mm-hmm.
0: I kind of had to learn. Um, cause before I was just like, I would, I just kind of like, like read it quickly, but then I had to like learn to like, read it in a way where it's supposed to be written and, mm-hmm. and like, and like seeing how I had to do research and like um watch her read her poems online or hear readings on podcasts. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm starting to get this now. And like, but I think that's also the process, not only as growing as an artist, but growing as like a reader and growing as, someone that reads poetry or Mm -hmm. writes poetry or is just an artist in general is like kind of relearning a whole style that I was never used
1: to. Yeah, exactly. And you know, that's, that's what's always like intriguing too is that you get to learn different styles and different voices and different um, approaches and like how certain authors and writers that approach their work and how careful they are with, you know, choosing words and like choosing a format or at least choosing, um, title names. And it's, it's all with intention and it's all with, um, with, um, with effort and being, themselves in a way that you get to learn about certain writers and like how they write and what they write but also like you know these are some of these um imaginations like you get to learn about that too and like the images that they capture or at least like these scenes or even like the you know the sensory details and like how well they're very observant but also just like simple things, you know, simple lines, simple gestures. That's what makes, you know, writing so pure and Mm -hmm. of like how well it could be written, even just like three words. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's just the beauty of like being a poet um, and writing about these, these moments or these thoughts or these dreams or these different worlds that we all come from and like how we, well, I guess similar experiences, but how each of us interpret it different and um, the perspectives that we come from and then comparing it to, well, how did I grow up? And also like questioning, like, well what am I really getting out of this poem like what is it telling me like how do I interpret it so it's like also like having that conversation with your own work but also having a conversation with other people's work
0: Mm -hmm. okay thank you so much for your insight as a writer poet and photographer um and a Dine person um and thank you so much for writing Desert Teeth. It's a beautiful book and I think this will reach a lot of, um, I think, Danae youth that
1: mm-hmm. really need it. Yes. Well, thank you for that. And, you know, I'm, again, I'm excited and, and happy of of these poems to be out there and just to see the amount of support that I've received. And just like the, you know, just like the general um, or like the heart to heart conversation with other writers, um, you know, like expressing to me of like, of them being excited for my book to come out. And even though like I was kind of hesitant of like certain poems, but I'm like, okay, like I feel a little better. Like I feel a little, um, like I can breathe a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's also like, you know, this experience has taught me so much about the work that I've, um, that I put into the, to my poems. Mm -hmm. And that now that I have, a first book, like I can say that, you know, the experience has definitely been hard and difficult, but it's Mm -hmm. always rewarding at the end. And, um, you know, once writers reach that level, um, or that, you know, that transition, um, they will understand more of like where they want to go with their writing. And that's what helped me, um, for my next project, or at least for, something to think about. And, um, I'm excited for, like I said, for Desert Teeth to be out there and just to see where it goes and just to see where the opportunity takes me of now that, you know, the book is out. Um, it's a lot, (laughs) it's a lot to, um, you know, celebrate, but also a lot to, um, breathe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Oh, dear. Yeah. Thank you so much for believing, too, in my work and for always, you know, supporting it. And um, all the late night editing and like <laughs> the, yeah. the back and forth and, like, you know, everything eventually came together. And, you know, that's what makes it more um, appreciative and more um, real. Yeah. It's just, like, the hard work that it takes just to even publish a book and it's just not an over it's just not a one thing one day thing and you know I thank you for that and for um (laughs) being patient with me and um you know just allowing me to have uh some control of like how I want the book to look and like how I want it to be um but yeah so thank you yeah thank you
0: that was my interview with Bodera Joe. We discussed Desert Teeth. And yeah, um, follow us on social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Abalone Mountain Press, where we might have some fun giveaways regarding this episode. We might have some uh copies of Desert Teeth that we might be giving away. Um yeah so thanks for listening theme song is summer cactus by colorful king always great to hear their music on our podcast and i hope you have a wonderful february later